fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. You took a sip. Like, you know what's coming. Like, <laughs> I started saying that you took a sip of water. Yeah. And, like, you know you're about to have to say something. So, I don't know why you would do that. It's, like, I, I am this is fairly familiar with how long it takes you to say that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> like my timing on it is, is pretty dialed in at this point. Okay, okay. That, and, and that's fair. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I wasn't just, worried. I like, saw that... <laughs> Okay. I appreciate that you kept like, going too. Like I saw you see it, and you're like, "I'm just gonna keep going." <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have to figure this out. He has dug this hole for himself. Right. He needs to figure it out. So, well, I mean, like after two years of doing this, which surprise, this is our two year anniversary surprise. episode. Hallelujah! Let's do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we we've got a special. So we're we're labeling this a special episode for our two year anniversary. Yep. And what we are re- what we are doing is we are reviewing. And relisting our top yep. five board games and our top five books, which were our t- first two episodes ever published under this podcast. Yeah. And so I'm excited. There's a lot more change than I thought there was going to be. I know. I was, I was too. I thought it list. would be like pretty stagnant. I thought it'd be like in books, nothing changed. So yeah, <laughs> we're just pasting the audio from the, you know, <laughs> but that's not it. I think we both have it. There's still some that are, that are consistent, but we have a decent bit of movement. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it will be fun to, fun to talk about. So you have in this episode, 10 board games and 10 books coming at you to look forward to. Assuming that there's no crossover. So that's true. Which yes. Yeah, so it's more, probably more. not a great assumption. It's not. We like a lot of the same things. So probably yeah. less than that, but you have <laughs> at most. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm really excited to get into it. I think we are going to skip our flights. Or not our flights. Oh, goodness oh. gracious. No, that would that'd be horrible. Yeah. We are not going to skip the Nobody flights. We are going to skip the, the table in the mind section just because we want this to be a reasonable length and I have to go to bed before 3 a.m. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so because we are listening out a lot, let's jump straight into flights and then we'll start sounds good bud dalton what's on your flight tonight so my flight i I wish honestly i wish that i had a better whiskey for our celebratory bummer episode yeah it i also feel doubly bad because it was a christmas present (laughs) but it was it was a really well thought out christmas present so um okay now fiance and i um this was not my congratulations by the way yeah thank you um but my fiance and i had taken for a trip. We had gone to Journeyman uh, Distillery in Michigan, and we've had yeah. um, at least one whiskey on the podcast from them. And so I was gifted from a soon-to-be family member a a whiskey from that distillery, kind of like with respect to that. But I really feel like they just screwed up this whiskey, like, and it's it's a bit of a shame because like <laughs> I tried their like flagship rye, their Last Feather rye, and I did like that. I thought it was very good. Um, and this is another rye. It's called Not a King Rye Whiskey. Um, it's called that in honor of George Washington, like not wanting to be a king. Oh, cool. It's got a picture okay. of George Washington. It's yeah, not a King whiskey. You know, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all very cool. I think the best description that I, cause I had to like look for reviews for this one. Cause I was like, what am I tasting? Like that is so <laughs> weird yeah. and probably bad. And someone Freedom. described it as gun barrel oil. And I was like, that's it. <laughs> oh geez. That's not good. It's not like, and I, you know, I own a gun. And so I know what gun barrel oil or gun cleaning oil or whatever, like <laughs> smells like, I don't know what it tastes like. Cause I'm not an idiot. <laughs> At least not that much. Um, and, and, but or you, know, like, you didn't. Right. But you did firsthand <laughs> research for this podcast. <laughs> You're gonna drink it right now. <laughs> we're, gonna do a, we're gonna do a blind taste test, and um, I think I would. I think I would pick it on a blind taste test. Is this the whiskey or the gun barrel oil? <laughs> That's actually not a great comparison to make. So I'm sorry that 
I know you are drinking that. I know. I think on its own, as much as I'm bashing it, it's more of just like a weird aftertaste. Like it's not like the whole thing. It, you, you would obviously taste the difference. It is like a nice rye. Like it has four in the front. It has like some nice rye flavors, but it just has this really odd lingering aftertaste. That's like it, it tastes. It's tastes like what gun barrel oil smells like. Bummer. I think. I think I might, under some circumstances, I might give it two. The only reason I would give it one cheers, or I'm going to give it one cheers, I think, and the main reason is because they just have Last Feather rye, and I think that's a very good rye. <laughs> and so they yeah. just, like, the same distillery has a similar rye at a similar price point, similar alcohol percent and everything, and it's just, I just think it's better. So, like, I think you should get that yeah. one. Um, that's frustrating. One. It, it was. It was It was disappointing because it was a really thoughtful gift. Um, you know, it was a really nice, like, they knew I like whiskey. They wanted to, like, give me a whiskey that would that would work. Um, it just happens to have this very odd aftertaste that I wasn't expecting. So, so yeah, I yeah. wish I had a better one to share for our, you know, celebratory <laughs> two-year anniversary episode. Instead, I have um, Gun Barrel Oil. I mean, uh, Not a King uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rye Whiskey by, by Journeyman. So... I, I like rye whiskeys. I know that there are people out there that like rye whiskeys. I know that a lot of people like to use rye whiskeys to make mixed drinks. Do you think that this would lose some of that aftertaste and still retain some of those initial flavors that you like in like a Manhattan or something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's or, a good question because I did, I did water it back just to see if it would help, <laughs> and it ca- okay. it's kind of like that was the only taste it retained. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't like stand up. It was just like afterwards, I was like, ah, this might be worse. <laughs> this um, is worse. This, this is, is way worse. <laughs> way worse. Um, that's a Bill Burr. Two reference. people will get that. Yeah, two people will get that, and I love those two people. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I don't know. I feel like, um, I feel like since I have the bottle, I may use it that way. Okay, but I, I believe that there are far better rides to use. I, I think you would be basically trying to fix the whiskey by making a Manhattan out of it. And your result would be a not very good Manhattan that you could have just made with a honestly cheaper whiskey, you know, like a Knob Creek rye or something. Bummer. Um, yeah. That would, that would taste better. So, well, go do some field tests, report back. All right. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> aye, aye, general. Aye, aye, um, captain. <laughs> okay. Well, that's too bad. It's too bad, well, but it makes for a good laugh. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going with the opposite end of the spectrum with good. the four cheers. So I am drinking Haze by Treehouse Brewing Company. And so when I went to PAX, Professor Meg and Sheer Boredom, who are both from the Boston area, kept telling me how incredible Treehouse Brewing is. Are you familiar with Treehouse Brewing at all? No, I, I just looked it up because I was like curious if I had seen it before. Um, but I think that's because I was like, oh, Haze, I may have heard of that. And then I'm like, no, I'm an idiot. I've just heard of Hazy IPAs. Like, <laughs> Hazy it, IPAs, yeah. There's, there's a million and, of those. And you have not heard of Treehouse Brewing Company, and I had not heard of Treehouse Brewing Company, which apparently is the incorrect answer. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like apparently a cardinal sin. <laughs> so Treehouse Brewing Company is a very famous, in quotes, I guess, like, I, I guess locally famous, but yeah. na- also nationally famous. Like, now that, it's like one of those things that now that I've, whenever you buy a car, you see that car everywhere type thing. Right. Like, have yeah. you ever experienced that? Th- yeah. That's what this beer feels like. So Roberto got me um, a couple of beers from there and there's a couple of different ones that I've had like throughout. And so tonight I'm drinking haze. And so this is an Imperial double IPA. So sorry for the second half of this podcast. I'll go ahead and apologize now for the slurring, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is fantastic. 
all three beers that he got me were were incredible. I I don't even know if I could rank them, but I I absolutely love Haze. So this is a very fruity IPA, which typically I'm not a huge I'm not I'm a bigger fan of the bitter IPAs. I I enjoy the fruity IPAs. I'm just typically a uh, a bigger fan of the of the bitter ones and hmm. this is a very fruity a very refreshing a very excellent ipa if you gave this to me blind and told me that it was 8.2 i would laugh like it, it just doesn't <laughs> feel like it's an 8.2 yeah it's a 90 ibu and it also doesn't feel that bitter so wow um it's a i mean it is on i, I had to look it up so on beer advocate it has a score of 100 that's all right it is a fair score (laughs) and it is ranked number 79 of all time wow and another one that he got me is green uh which is number 78 so (laughs) (laughs) it was just kind of like okay this this is just really cool it's it's a fantastic beer i thank you so much roberto for getting it for me um it's incredible four cheers 100 I, i need to go visit them and I will stop by and buy some haze along the way. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering. I was like, I wonder if they distribute all the way out here. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but they do yeah, have a pretty distinctive like can, right? Like I feel like you would, yes, if you saw yes. it, you would know. Yeah. That's haze by Treehouse Brewing Company. Highly recommend. If I don't actually know if you could ever find it outside of Treehouse Brewing. I, yeah. I actually don't know. So if you can pick it up, you will not be disappointed. Very cool. Your wallet will be very sad, but like, don't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what I'm drinking, and I'm 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 happy with my choice. I'm sorry you're not happy with yours. That's all right. Let's let's talk about our favorite things. Yeah, that's right. We're, we we have to, we have an episode to record. Um, yeah, um, specifically the top five. <laughs> <laughs> And like now that I'm doing this, like we should come up with like a top five whiskey and beer episode. That would be kind of fun. That would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that hey, would be look fun. At this. Yeah. These ideas, man, cool, cool. We should do this. We should. We should okay. Like we should More record a podcast on the podcast. <laughs> we should. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Re- we should record a podcast. I bet we'd be. Good we should. That. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Alrighty, so we have we're doing our top five board games and our top five books. We split these up into two episodes when we initially recorded, but we are going to do this in one, so rapid fire mode. Yeah, um, those episodes are also like twenty or thirty minutes long, so I think it's valid to try and <laughs> try and extend and, here. <laughs> yeah, and that's true. And like we said when we kind of decided that we were going to combine these, I didn't think that there was going to be a lot of movement in our list, but. I think we're going to see a lot of new names to these lists yeah. since two years ago. Right. And so the other good thing is like um, for the length anyways, is nothing. I am sure nothing on here. Well, I, I know I'm sure from me, I'm, I would say I'm 90 something percent sure from you. I don't think there's going to be any new names, something that has, that has never no. been mentioned on the podcast before. Right. Right. We, we yeah. talk about these books and games all the time because they're our favorites. Yes. That, um, now yes, we just have to talk about true. why we just have to, you know, validate our decisions. <laughs> yep. Alrighty, so let's start with books. So, and we'll we'll do it similar to how we did our second episode of all time. So we, we're flipping them. So yep. our first episode was board games. Second episode was books. So we're going to start with books this time, and we'll do it the same way as we did last time. We, uh, you will start with number five. I will go to my number five, and we'll we'll ping pong back and forth until we get to our number one, and then we'll go into board games. Yeah. So, fair. without any delay, Dalton, number five favorite book of all time as of this date 2022 (laughs) (laughs) this so books was really fun um because 
I was trying to think of, so first of all, we consume books slower than we consume board games, just in general. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so I expected there to be less movement in the books section. And for me, there was. Um, there was some reordering, um, and there was, but there were a couple of new ones. Um, but I was trying That's to think fun. of, like, what are books that I have read multiple times at first? And then I was like, but that may not be fair because some of these books I've read within the last year and they've kind of become, or last couple of years, and they kind of have become favorites. And I just haven't had a chance to, like, reread them or a reason to, right? Um, so number five falls into that category. Um, and this would be Wool. Um, this is okay. a, a yeah. sci-fi book that I talked about, I don't know, maybe wow. over the I think I read it over the summer. I did read it over the summer. Okay. And... I just, I, the more I've thought about it, I'm like, I want to, I, I really want to reread this book. And I read it six months ago, you know, um, that's it's awesome. basically brand new, but the concept of the book, if you don't remember is that humanity it's, it's post-apocalyptic. Um, I say it's sort of sci-fi ish, but it's really not. It's really a post-apocalyptic book. There's not like a, it's not like a sci-fi in that there's like really advanced technology that yeah, throws off yeah, the story yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. You could probably just consider it. Maybe like if you, if you could sit there and call hunger games sci-fi, then I guess you could call this book sci-fi. I do but not it, call that. Exactly. Sci-fi. It's not, it's post-apocalyptic. So, um, but humanity is kind of isolated to this silo and the outside world is, um, like really deadly. And so that's why like they can't go out there. And so there are like 144 floors of this silo, that like go down into the earth. Um, and there's kind of a hierarchy, um, with, people living in different tiers based on like like wealth and you know and their kind of like spot within the economy there's not like a huge that's not a, it's not like a huge disparity where that like drives a lot of the book because it's small enough that there can't be a huge like wealth disparity. everyone kind of has to have their job um, but like the like mayor lives in like the upper levels right and the like mechanics live down down at the bottom i think the really the reason it sits here is because it's basically it's five quote-unquote books in one um similar to like how dune has three books or yeah, um, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or any of the stormlight archive books have like multiple sections right and i think they're even titled books even in that um so this one has five and it's just a story that keeps you on your toes it does a really good job with character deaths like making character deaths um believable and like really impactful to the story um and at times like super unexpected you're like i did not think that guy was gonna die like um (laughs) so it does like some really some really clever stuff with that it has a really excellent pacing and just the way that the story like unfolds and there's always a little bit more mystery but it always feels like you're finding out a little bit all the time too um and kind of like as as one door closes like two more open you know and there so there's like this development that's going on it has really well-defined um characters so characters that have like a really good characterization and boundary and like personal story that's going on and they they're kind of you're kind of dropped in media res right so the the character backstory is kind of being revealed to you over time um through like hints and conversation or through um you know like flashbacks or or through thoughts of someone the character remembering something or someone from their past and I've, I've just really enjoyed it and i i have not even read the next two books of the series yet so it's really funny to like have this be like in my top five and it's like oh yeah that's right i need to go back and read the rest um but i don't know i i, I can't talk highly enough about it it, it was it was one that really took me by surprise because i i read it kind of on maybe not a whim but kind of like oh i need something to read i guess i'll pick this one up and then like a couple pages in i was like this book is fantastic you know, and i've really enjoyed nice. even just looking back on it since that's awesome yeah it, it's been one of those that when you mentioned it, I was like, yeah, that sounds really cool. And then I completely forgot about it until about 25 seconds ago or however long you were just talking. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it is one that <laughs> it is one that I want to revisit because 
as I've been reading more books and like just as like I read books a lot, but just when since we've started the podcast, I've been consuming more of those. Right. I, I've grown to know myself and that I like and, and I enjoy like apocalyptic stories mm-hmm. like that. That's just is a genre that is interesting to me. Oh, and cool. so seeing that it makes it on your top five list is really exciting and something that maybe I'll remember after this episode. Ends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I would love for you to read it. Yeah. I have okay, a couple yeah. family members who have read it, but I would love to. You know how it's sort of like how it's really fun to watch someone else play a video game sometimes, yeah, like a game yeah. that you know really well and like see them yeah. experience it. Like book reading can be similar, right? Where it's like, I love hearing about someone going through and like, what? I I can't believe this just happened. You're <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. Just wait. Fun. <laughs> you know? Fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. So, cool. Good choice. Thank you. What's yours? So, I would echo your preamble and that, you know, there there are a lot of books on this list that changed that switched places that flipped and it was really something that i was not expecting to happen yeah and like i was just saying that i enjoy the post-apocalyptic genre one of the other things that i've learned about myself over and this has been more recent probably in the last like six months or something is Mm -hmm. like i enjoy like comforting books or like there there are books that comfort me there are books that i enjoy joy listening to that bring me like you know calmness and yeah. that's not necess- that's more familiarity not necessarily it's a calm book right and right. so so those kind of started to penetrate my list that just may mm-hmm. be where i'm at in my life at this time mm-hmm. but it, it it's my list so i can do what i want <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't have to justify it fuck it <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly um and so so with that one of the surprising things which like I don't know why it's surprising to me. I made the list, but my number five spot is The Hobbit. So that's adorable. I, I yeah, I just <laughs> like recently in the last couple of months, I reread The Hobbit, and it is so pleasant. It is so exciting, so nice, so fun. And yep. so, okay, if you don't know what the story is of The Hobbit, then read it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but just kind of the quick synopsis right so Bilbo Baggins who we know and love from Lord of the Rings is kind of the prequel to Lord of the Rings right so he is um, kind of pulled into this quest by this crazy wizard a starry guy named Gandalf weird I don't know and he goes on this quest with a bunch of dwarfs to go steal some gold from this dragon and it's just like a very like the book is written in parts of it are written in second person so the the narrator is talking to you the reader mm. and it's like which which is really cool and really interesting and really fun and it is just like it's like someone's telling you a bedtime story mm. and it, it, it like <laughs> it's, it, it's fun it's whimsical it's like it's really cool i love lord of the rings i love the lore of lord of the rings which like if we were doing a mind, which we're not, but mm-hmm. if we were doing a mind, I would have to mention that uh, Amazon Prime just put out the the teaser trailer thing for their new series, which is Rings of Power, is what it's called. Oh, their cool. series yep. is called Rings of Power, and it is an epic one minute long teaser trailer of forging, like the title scene, and it is epic. Anyways, so, and I also just learned. If we were doing the mind, I would say this. I also just learned <laughs> <laughs> that they are already signed up for twenty episode seasons and five seasons. Oh, dope! Yeah. Oh so man, we're getting some content, we're everybody. Some content. That's exciting. That usually, I don't know about usually, that gives me hope that they have like adequate funding in the first season, right? Because a lot of first season of these like big fantasy shows, um, yeah, are struggling with 
just like the actual funding to make because like there's so much like makeup and you know extras yeah. and computer gra- like that have to go into this that like it can they can struggle with that right you can tell that it, it, there's some budget cuts that have to happen in, in a TV yep. show um, so hopefully that means that they have enough you know enough budgeting to make it work I mean Amazon is the one fronting the money so I don't think that there's a lack of budget there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but yeah I I just love Lord of the Rings I was trying to figure out because I knew what Lord of the Rings book was going to fall on this list and when i was reviewing all of them that i had read i landed on the hobbit being at number five that's really cool yeah i think if we we don't do like a ton of like top five blank right um yeah but if we were going to do like top five prequels the hobbit would definitely make the list oh yeah you know yeah um yeah because we're suckers for prequels anyway but this is one that's specifically done really well and i think it's done really well because it like it sets up it, it, it somehow sets up the story without like directly setting up the story, if that makes sense. Like Sauron is like not in it, you know, Frodo's yep. not in it. Like Gandalf's the yep. only character really that is like consistent between the two like storylines. Right. Yep. And he even like goes in a completely different direction, right? Like it's, it's a part of yeah. the map that is not a, at all a part of like Lord of the Rings. Really the only like important thing that gets introduced is like Gollum in the ring and you know, like, <laughs> But, Which, uh, but for some reason, it, it still functions really well as like a as a setup to yeah. what's going to happen, you know, to, as a setup to the story. And fun fact, which I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of our listeners, Jim, mentioned it, or it was I was talking with him, and he was saying that um, in the initial release of The Hobbit, in like the first edition of The Hobbit, the Ring of Power that was released, mm-hmm. or like the, the ring that Bilbo and Gollum are doing their riddles over was not the ring of power mm. and in later like it was a ring of power but not like the ring of i power? think it was just a ring like it, it was just like oh, it was just a, a thing and then after lord of the rings came out uh jro token rewrote it so that it flowed a little bit better so gotcha it's kind of fun if, if you're interested you can go read that on i think it's on wikipedia like the the or, original uh like text or whatever text is on yeah. there but i also just love the opening yeah. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. I was like, okay, well, what the hell's a hobbit? So, right, <laughs> like it's such it's good, like, like yeah, exposition yeah. though, right? Like there, like there's a ton of information in those like three parts of a sentence, those three phrases, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like it, it hooks so, you in. That's a, no, that's yeah, a good choice. I, I think that's adorable. I, I hate. I don't hate. I strongly dislike <laughs> the Hobbit movies, right? But oh no, yeah, no, this is definitely a book list. Yeah, it's definitely a book list. But I did think that Martin Freeman was a really good casting. I thought he was a really yeah. good Bill. But like, there's like that scene where he like he like sits down to dinner and he's like made it and his table's all set and he's like all cozy <laughs> and his fire is going and he's like all ready, and, you know, and he's like kind of smiling to himself. And then like there's a knock at the door and he like gives this like look, you know, kind of like looking like over his over his nose at the door, and you can tell he's just so fucking done already. Like, yeah, it's like that expression is like, you nailed it, man. Like, I identify with that so much. That's the Bilbo I know and love. Yep. Yeah. I, I do the same thing when I get phone calls, you know? It's like, <laughs> yep. Why are you inconveniencing is, me this way? Yep. That is my life, Monday through Friday. That's um, right. Wait. Uh, ooh, ooh, uh, yeah. Excellent. No. All righty. What's on? What's number four? Number four. So I don't, we, we tried to stay away from honorable mentions in um, the first one. Um, and now that we are more experienced podcasters, I have no such control. And so <laughs> good. Cause I have my honorable mentions as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I really wanted to put the Martian here. So the Martian was my original number five, mm-hmm. I think. Um, it was your original number four. 
it was my original number four. Oh man, it yeah. almost retained its spot. I really <laughs> wanted to put it there, and I wanted to almost like honorable mention it alongside Project Hail Mary because like they, you know, they're pretty similar, and I enjoyed them. The Martian is a better book, but I, I do enjoy them both. Yeah, um, yeah. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, I do reread The Martian like fairly often. But I don't know, for whatever reason, I decided I wanted to include a Pendragon book. And I, I looked over the Pendragon series. Yes. Okay, um, cool. And I was like, what is my what is my favorite book from this series? Because I, I typically, if I want to include a book from the series, I typically end up including the first one, just like for whatever yeah, reason. I, yeah, I usually yeah. like the first one the best. Um, okay. With Pendragon, it's, if we haven't talked about this, but actually I'm going to do a little summary. We haven't talked about Pendragon in a long time. Yeah, um, let's do it. Pendragon also, the full title is something much longer that I don't re- ever remember. It's like... You remember the it's like eight or ten words, like it's. Huge. I don't know. Yeah. All right, here one second. We have okay, but it's not the King Arthur one. No, it's not King Arthur, but it's Pendragon colon journey of an adventure. So it's <laughs> or journal, sorry, journal of an adventure <laughs> through time and space. Like that's the. Who knows how to SEO? That's the title of the series, and it's ten books. Um, it's written. It, it feels very episodic. It was actually it's written by a guy, um, DJ McHale, who uh, wrote t- TV. Um, he was a TV writer, and so he's kind of used to episodic style writing. I mean, he wrote this um, book series because he, at the time, knew that it, this was like early 2000s, um, and his vision for it would never fit in a TV series. I think we're actually getting to that point, right? Like now is when it probably could fit into a TV series in terms of what they're able to do. Um, but it's very, it can be very um, fantasyful and very sci-fi. Um, and so he, he chose not to do that. He chose to write it as a book. And I'm glad that he did. I chose it's ten it's ten books. Um, I chose book eight, Pilgrims of Rain. Um, okay yeah and i think it's because every time i reread the series i've reread the series like three times i typically forget the major twist in pilgrims of rain and i'm obviously not going to spoil it Um, (laughs) but it's fantastic and yes it is amazing it's really really well done the the story like of the series kind of has this idea of there are turning points in worlds and the main character bobby pendragon is visiting these worlds as a like quote traveler and it's his job to help the world kind of go the right way at the turning point um so the turning point um can be like many things but it's basically the idea that um there are these really significant points in history and if it if it went one way versus the other then that you know would be in the bad timeline versus the good timeline or whatever yeah Um, yeah yeah. and and that's kind of his like his job and dj McHale does a really good job of like even though it is kind of episodic and the structure of the story is repeating it never feels like the same story is being told twice um, very true there's always something new being introduced um into either like the way that like kind of the magic system works or which characters are involved in the story you're kind of hearing the story from bobby's perspective as he's writing like journals back to his friends um at home right which is just present day earth so why i chose pilgrims of rain um is because it's kind of i think the last major point that i could think of um that the story like the overarching story arc has like a major twist on its head that you don't yeah. really see you, th- you think you've kind of like survived all the twists <laughs> right and like this one has yep. one you're like i i never would have thought that that could happen right right um yeah but it totally makes sense once it's revealed to you you're like of course right of course that could happen that way yeah um, but i just yeah. never considered it um and it, it really sets the stage for books nine and ten which are basically like the climax and falling action so book nines and ten sort of break the mold they don't quite follow the like episodic template that the previous eight have fallen have followed they are like the story is ending so they, they yep. kind of break the mold um, which is appropriate yep. and, and, it, and it works really well um, but pilgrims is kind of like the last one and so it, it kind of has like this last hurrah type feeling to it too you know where you're like this is the last time that like things are kind of normal and then things are going to break and fall out of control before 
the climax and end of the story. So I just really, nice. I really like the Pendragon series. I wanted to choose a book from it. And, I, and so I chose this one as kind of my favorite. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. I, I have two Pendragon books on my honorable mentions because I was trying to fit a Pendragon <laughs> book into my top five and I was unable to. <laughs> nice. And so I'm really glad that you were able to. So yeah, uh, I had the Quillian Games and Raven's Rise on my honorable mentions for... Okay kind of raven's rise i really like the introduction with raven's rise is book nine yeah and i really like the introduction of the ending yeah i i thought that that was really well done and then the quillian games for what you were saying about um pilgrims of rain is that it has a twist that you never saw coming mm-hmm. and he, he he you know because he is this tv writer he understands how to write these like interesting cliffhangers and interesting like hooks and everything even like in book nine right you're still coming back you're like oh sweet i need to i need to know what's next awesome choice i'm glad that you were able to fit a uh a pendragon book into this <laughs> yeah list. yeah quillian games was my second choice by the way nice okay for, good for favorites I, I do really like yep. quillian games yeah yeah quillian games is awesome so, so for these are my well, number- we say it's 10 books but they're they're pretty consumable they're not like they get longer yes. in the series, but books like one through like six or seven are they're they're kind of YA, so they're they're pretty short, pretty consumable. Yeah. They, like I said, they start to get longer towards the end. But um, if you are interested in the series, I think the first two books are a pretty comparable read to like Mistborn by itself or something, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I think if you choose true. to read the first two books, um, you can decide if you want to read the rest of the series or not. But that, yeah. that's a good point to be like, this is kind of what the series is going to be like, give you a feel for it and, um, without taking yeah. too much of your time. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So my number four is another one of these comfort reads for me. And I don't know why it wasn't on my initial list or any of these books from the Harry Potter series were on my initial list, but I chose the Half-Blood Prince from uh the harry potter series by written by jk rowling she's yeah kind well, that's of new. interesting i've never heard um, of this yeah <laughs> <laughs> jk who so j uh i think it's rolling in Roland, i'll look in it up Roland, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll fix it in post okay cool. um <laughs> so so i i love the harry potter series it's just the lore that i grew up with that i really enjoy that i i still enjoy i probably reread the books once a year yeah just because they're just super easy to consume, super easy to listen to, and they're just fun, right? Yeah. And I usually pick up one or two new things every every reread through, and so that's always fun. But Half Blood Prince is my favorite out of that series. It's my favorite. It, it made it to my top five books, and that's mainly because the movie. Well, first off, this is a book list, not a movie list. That's I, I feel like I need to keep iterating that <laughs> for almost every single one of these. Yeah. But the 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 book is. They take a deep dive into Voldemort's past. So yeah. Voldemort is the the big evil guy in Harry Potter. And diving into his past, which they don't really do very well in the movie, but in the book, it's a super interesting psychological study, I think, of yeah, kind sure. of why he is the way he is. You know, he, he was always meant to be this evil person, but you can kind of see some of the... I, I need to... I don't want to sound like I'm sympathizing with Voldemort. That that sounds wrong. But like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that that is absolutely not what I'm trying to do. But I I think that it was a really interesting kind of study in the psychology of him growing up, and yeah. that's why I really like the Half Blood Prince. Yeah, yeah, and we talked about it in villains episodes, right? Like that, just evil monsters don't make good villains. You know, yes, y- yeah. you need monsters to you need the bad guy to not be a monster. You need them to be like relatable. And the best villains make make people say like, oh, would I have done the same thing? You know, yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's I think 
what Half-Blood Prince is able to establish is like, at first, Voldemort is just, you should not be named. He's just like this name, literally nameless evil um, that you're like, oh, he's just really bad. And over the course of the series, he becomes more and more human. And in some ways, yeah. that makes him scarier. Yeah, absolutely. So. so we've talked about Harry Potter a lot. So let's uh, let's hop on to your number three. What's third on your list? Yeah, third on my list, um, I again wanted to highlight a book from a series um, this time I chose, I did choose the first book. So I chose um, the black prism, um, which is the first book in okay. the Lightbringer yeah. series. Yeah. Um, okay. Sweet. And I, again, when I started doing this list, I was like, what are books that I've read multiple times? And then I kind of rephrased that to like, what are books that I would want to reread multiple times? And this is one that yeah. um, falls very strongly into that, into that category. I'm really looking to, forward to rereading Lightbringer as a series, but specifically like the black prism. I think it is the best book in the series. Um, it has the best like um, sort of exposition of the characters, and then it has the best um, sort of like single contained story arc, um, and it has some really, really solid twists in it. Um, some again, some things that you just like you did not expect that that could happen or you know yeah. or would happen, and then when it's revealed to you, you're like, I get it, like I can totally see that, but <laughs> I did not expect it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and. It's so hard to talk about without like without spoiling, but I will just brief since we haven't talked about it in a while. I'll just briefly describe the like the magic system. This book we talked about a lot when we were talking about like hard and soft magic, kind of early in the podcast. Um, it was a book that we had stumbled upon because it was recommended by Sanderson, um, who sort of like piloted this idea of hard versus soft magic, right? And he was kind of holding up Lightbringer as a series of like this is a series that does hard magic very well. Um, and so if you like a lot of Sanderson novels then this would be a good this would be a good series to try it's by brent weeks um the the way the magic system works is that um people have an affinity for a certain color um so they can sort of like look literally look at a a portion of the color spectrum um some people have access to only one and they would be called like monochrome or monochromatic um and then some people have access to multiple like they might have access to green orange and yellow magic or something like that um and they're basically able to absorb that color into their system and then use that uh, sort of energy source um to create luxin um which is sort of a physical manifestation of the color um and based on the color it has like different properties so blue is very crystalline and very sharp um red is very energy and not very material and so it's very hot um i think red is actually sort of like goopy and like magma like and then like sub red um which we know is infrared but in the book they call sub red basically the you know the spectrum below red it would be sort of like heat um and and then there's one uh person who's sort of like a both a religious and a government figure called the prism um who has access to all all types of light the avatar yeah the avatar yeah it actually <laughs> has a lot of feeling of that for sure yeah um and um and so the like the prism is a character there's also a main character kip who is not well named but <laughs> that's kind of a boring <laughs> name um but who has really good progression throughout the story he like starts as like this really like overweight kid and he has like some like body image issues and that like plays into his character a lot and to his decision making and so it, it does a really good job of just kind of highlighting that struggle for him and it's not something that he just like overcomes and goes away it's something that's always with him and but his like a bit his lack of confidence in himself and his lack of a positive self-image really affects him as a character and that's kind of his his characterization his personal struggles that he's overcoming so just a lot of really good characters a lot of good um magic system world building um and some really really awesome twists is, is why this one at least the first book kind of made the list <laughs> that that yeah that's great so when i was making my list 
I was kind of trying to predict where you were going to fall, if there was going to be any changes. And I knew that there was going to be something from the Lightbringer on your list just because (laughs) of how much you enjoy that series. And so I'm glad to see that I was right. You win. Um, (laughs) You win. the. I I win. I, I, I win the podcast. I, I agree. I think that the Black Prism is a great book. I, uh, this is a positive podcast. I will just say that like, you know, getting towards like book three, four is where I've gotten to twice, I think. Okay. And I've just kind of like struggled. And I like, that's not saying that it's a bad, I just think that there's a lull there. And just for whatever reason, I just kind of give up. I did that same thing to breaking bad. Right. Like, so my judgment is not the right one. Like, so I finally got past breaking bad after watching the season, like three, like, three times right and then after that i just never stopped watching it so like with that being said and i've heard from you that it gets a lot better but that first book is so good yeah that first book is incredible it's yeah. such a great magic system being from like my background is literally optical engineering right so i love <laughs> colors and so just like it just like speaks to me i i love the magic i love the story i love the twist that you were talking about and yes so Go read it because hey, the it, first it's book really twist cool. is so good. There's usually one oh, massive so cool. twist yeah. in every book, but the first book oh, yeah. twist is it's oh, so, it's so good. good. It's so good. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. Yeah, and I I agree overall actually that Lightbringer is long. I mean, it's you know, it's a hefty book, and it's fair to to lose connection to it. I, I remember reading it and being in parts where, you know, we've talked about this in audiobooks where you're like, I, I don't remember what's happened in the last 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah. like, I just, I've I, been you know, listening for 30 minutes, but I don't know what just happened. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I got disengaged somehow. And, and there are a couple of times where that happens in Lightbringer. I think um, Brent Weeks in general kind of struggles with that from his other series that we've read that it's like, eh, I think you might need a different editor or something. I don't know. Something's got to change. Right. Because yeah. there, there can be some fluff that needs to be cut out. I think the Black Prism of the Five is the one that's not that way. Like it's pretty compact, you know, a lot of good yeah. stuff happens. Um, but the other ones, I think you keep reading because you already like the series. Yep. Good, good choice. Good choice. Nice. Nice. All right. All right. Number three, number three on my list. So this is a position that changed book, but did not change series. And so my, my number three, uh, 20, 20 so two years ago was Mistborn mm. and now my number three is Hero of Ages so Mistborn is the first book in the series and Hero of Ages is the third and final of that first arc yeah. of the series and a couple of reasons for that change one I think Mistborn is a phenomenal book I love that book I love it, it it's it's incredible it it's in my honorable mentions if you know yeah if I was allowed to say those <laughs> right but, <laughs> We have talked on the podcast before about how Sanderson's books falls into this Cosmere where a lot of the stories kind of tie themselves together. And as I've become more involved and more understanding of that Cosmere, the Hero of Ages ties into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's kind of taken that spot for gotcha. me. Gotcha. That makes and a lot of sense. I, and I, I really like the ending of Hero of Ages. Yeah. And... It, like I, I have chills just thinking about it right now. Yeah. Like some some of the choices that the characters make are right there, and you're just like, that makes me like really sad. But I totally get it. Yeah. Type type choices, and I think that that is just so great, like of Sanderson to be able to do. His writing style is great. He was able to tell three amazing stories in that trilogy, and Hero of Ages, I think, just completely capped it. Yeah. As phenomenal. Totally agree. I think so. I, I would I would think if we were going to do top five endings to a trilogy, yes. right, this yeah. uh, it might make a run for number one. I think it's 
yeah fantastic. it's good fantastic yeah it's either this or lord of the rings I mean, I, that's exactly what i was thinking it's either this or return <laughs> of the king yeah well and return of the king has to be like the first half of return of the king so <laughs> so with, with with that caveat yeah. i would have to say first half of the book of return of the king i would have to say probably you're right hero of ages is that that top spot yeah it's it's that it's that good and book two is book two is good it's it's not even just fine like it's a good book yeah um it's just that mistborn and hero of ages are like they're they're top tier yeah they're top tier they are very very special Uh, mistborn just in general was in was in my honorable mentions nice i think this is a very good choice thank you yeah i tried (laughs) (laughs) i'm so proud of you (laughs) thanks this is going way better than the first time we did it (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, what's number two number two for me um this is my first repeat so number two for me is red rising Um, okay wow that jumped a couple spots it jumped i think wasn't it number five i think it was number number five. five yeah i the more i think about this book i'm like you know what i could not make an improvement to this book I think <laughs> it's this, so good. It's yeah, it's really, really good. And I think this is one where like of if I was going to pick a favorite book from a trilogy from a trilogy or from a series, this one's an easy choice. Red Rising is a, yeah. a good step above the other two. And the other good are, are the other two are still good. And I do really like the way that the series ends. I don't think that the third book is overall like the best book, but I do really like the way that the series ends. And so I think both of them are are very much worth reading. But Red Rising, I have read at a frequency of more than once per year since the first time I've read it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. Because That's the fun. first time I read it was, I think, 2018. Okay. And I've read it four times, I believe, since then. Oh, geez. Because it was like, it was late summer of 2018 was the yeah. first time I read it. And um, I know that only because I was moving. And like, I remember packing up my place and listening to it for the first time. Um, nice. And, and now we're in early 2022 and I've, I've read it four times. So um, it's... That's crazy. It's it's just the best. Like, I know we talk about yeah. it a lot. I don't want to like, we've already, you know, we've talked, we have a whole episode. on. We have it, a whole so episode it, on it. So I really can't like, spend too it's much. It's a time very, it. it's a very heavy spoiler episode. So if you haven't read it, listen or yeah. read the book first, then go listen to the episode. Yeah. It, I, I don't know what to else me, to say. Like misname one of the characters in my second favorite book of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I call him cactus for half the episode. So that's great. Cactus. Yeah. 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 Um, when his name is cactus, um yeah ah dude no we even I, did yeah, an episode I, just about like you know or not an episode we did half the episode based on the board game right we brought in brought in right. jamie for that yeah um, red rising is such a great ip i yeah i don't i don't know what more to say mm-hmm. than, than what we've already said but i mean it, it's a great kickoff to the trilogy yeah it, it it is epic sci-fi it is kind of hunger games harry potter yeah. sci-fi all mixed together and the characters are super like deep they're super exciting super yeah. different some of the like and, most well-defined characters that we've talked and we talked about this in the episode but if you haven't listened to it it, it we we mentioned that like the, there's a cast system so there's like reds and and that's a group of people and they have a genetic uh, modification that makes them quote reds and they have a job to do and then there's golds and they and the same thing um and so there's a there's kind of this cast this cast system would make you feel like all the golds would feel the same and all the reds would feel the same yeah and somehow he introduces uh, i don't know 60 characters over the course of the book and every single one of them feels like an individual it's i don't know how you did this 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 is an incredible accomplishment it it would have been really easy to write all 
of the reds the same yeah and every single red is different unique and grows yes and i think that's that's the other thing is throughout red rising and then throughout the trilogy there is a lot of character growth which is just excellent to see yeah so yeah i found that since reading it it i believe would be like my number one recommended book i think number two would be miss okay um yeah but yeah and that would be that would be very close but most of the time if i have someone they're like hey dalton i know you read a lot of books what should i read next I can usually find a reason that they will like Red Rising. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's a really good bridge into sci-fi too, because it's not super totally sci-fi, agree. you know? It's not super yeah. like there's this wacky tech and we're way out in space and, you know, none of that. It takes place within our solar system, um, but the technology doesn't really influence the storyline all that much. It, it does in a reasonable way, yeah. um, but not in yeah. such a sense that you like, you lose track of how the characters are doing what they're doing. That, that can be the problem with sci-fi. Like, how is the character able to do this? Yeah. That does not happen in Red Rising. It's very approachable, very fundamental, very grounded. Um, and it just it just makes for a really great story. So Nice. Yeah. Excellent. It's the biggest jump, you're right. It went from number... I think on both <laughs> lists, that was the one that moved the most. Yeah. It... Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, I guess I meant for me. I'm looking at the ones that... Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I have okay. no idea what it moved for you. I'm just, I just mean... I was for, like, well, we, you know, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but maybe not... <laughs> nothing did but it's nice to keep them on the hook that's right um, yeah keep them, keep them interested <laughs> nice suckers all right tell us uh, number one or number two for you, uh, number two no, number two for me is the exact same as it was number two two years ago two two i feel like i'm saying two a lot so this is that 8.2 percent kicking in yep so num- <laughs> number two for me is ender's shadow nice and so ender's game is one of the most iconic sci-fi books of all time where this they take children that have aptitudes for command, take them to command school so that they can fight the invading alien species, which is called the Formic, uh, when they know that they're coming back to Earth. And so Ender's game is all about the commander Ender, who has been kind of chosen to be this person that's going to lead the defense of Earth. Excellent book. Ender's Shadow, on the flip side, is told from is the same story told from a different perspective, which is kind of like uh, another uh, child in the the command school that Ender goes through. Yep. His name is Bean, and so I I love Ender's game, and I think that Ender's game you have to read Ender's game before you read Ender's Shadow. The reason that Ender's Shadow makes it on the list, this list, and Ender's game does not, is that Ender's Shadow is a fantastic book and it makes Ender's game better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that sense for a top five favorite book, I love the literary device and the execution of this book and how he changed Ender's game and how the way that I look at a different book so well. And that, that's why it's number two, just cause it's, it's yeah. pretty unique in that sense it where is, it's yeah. like, Oh cool. I'm going to tell the same story. I'm like, Oh, okay. That sounds fun. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it like all of the background information is kind of revealed in this book and you get to see it from a different character's perspective and like how they are going through their emotions and how they, you know, analyze the situation differently. And it's just, it it's amazing. It, it's incredible. If, if you have read Ender's game and have not read Ender's shadow, do yourself a favor and go read Ender's shadow. If you have not read either of those, stop this podcast right now, <laughs> go listen to Ender's game and then listen to Ender's shadow and then you can come back. Yeah. Well, then, then you should listen to our episode about Ender's Game, and then you can come back to this. That is true. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it would be 
it's unsurprising. If anything was going to not change, it would be my number one book, right? Yep. Um, and so my number one book is still Ender's Game. Um, and this happened the last time we recorded this, where we went right from Ender's Shadow into Ender's Game. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing I wanted to like say here is, first of all, yeah, go go listen to Ender's Game and, and the Ender's Shadow. <laughs> I was surprised in redoing this um, how little fantasy is in my top five. Because I, I think I would say that fantasy is my favorite genre. Huh. Um, yeah. and I listed one book. I would say Lightbringer is absolutely a fantasy novel. It, it, it wouldn't feel yeah. like traditional fantasy. Like, there's not dragons and you know, it's not villages. Like it feels like a very modern society with an advanced magic system. Yeah. Um, so it's maybe not even like traditional fantasy, or, and certainly not high fantasy. Um, yeah. But three of my top five are sci-fi. Um, in well, I guess I guess. I don't know. Pendragon, you could go back and forth. Now that I'm looking at it again, Pendragon, you could call a fantasy. Be- because it's different worlds. There are yeah. some that are fantasy, some that are sci-fi, some that are... It's very cross-genre. Right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's why that's why maybe I, maybe I wouldn't. But I would call at least like two or three of them sci-fi. So I was I was just kind of kind of just pleasantly surprised by that, I guess. Like, I, you know, that's yeah, something I totally that's expected. But I, the other thing I wanted to mention here, um, the reason I was bringing up the fantasy thing, I think of all these books... I had one other thing in honorable mention and it may come up in yours. And so I'm sorry if I ruin it, but I think, I think name of the wind is critically the best book that I have. (laughs) Like it is, if I was just going to look critically and say, this is, this is the best book that I know of. um, Yeah. I I might, I might actually name name of the wind. And it was the one that I was, it was in my top five previously. And I was really wanting to put it back in and just kind of chose to do it this way. I think it, if you ask me a week from now, I might've put it in. Um, Yep. So, anyways, yep. go ahead and tell me your number one. So, so Name of the Wind was your number one two years ago. Okay, two years ago, Wiseman, f- or I'm sorry, n- number three. Yeah, uh, in in your top five, number like, one for me was, was Wiseman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Yeah, uh, number number one for me two years ago was A Wise Man's Fear, which is the second book in that series. Yeah, it is not number one for me anymore. Oh so, man. It, it fell off my list completely, and I don't. It fell I think off that's both a combination. Of ours, yeah. It's off both of ours, and I think, at least for me, I think that's a combination of the series not finished, and it's been over. Yeah. It's been eleven years since the last book was published, and I think that that leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, for and sure. Two, I think if it was a complete series, it. it might still be on there. Yes, absolutely. I I one hundred percent agree with that, and like all of the Song of Ice and Fire books fell off my list. I think for yep. a similar reason. And so I, I I like ongoing and or completed series, and so yeah. like and these feel like neither they feel <laughs> they, they feel, these like, feel like neither series, they feel yeah. like they've kind of give given up, and so at that sense I've kind of almost taken stock out of them because it's like are we ever going to get a conclusion to this series? Yeah, and it makes it so much Maybe harder to recommend, not. right? It's like I it want really you to read does. this because it's fantastic, but I struggle to recommend it because it's not complete. Yeah. Yep. And so. With that being said, I'm going to name a non-complete series as my number one. Uh, <laughs> 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 so my my number one book, I kind of cheated. I put two, and that's Rhythm of War slash Way of Kings. Yeah. And so... Incomplete, Kings, but this is very much ongoing. Yes, it's very much ongoing. And that, that's when I, I kind of put the caveat of they're kind of dead. Yeah. So 
This is the Stormlight Archives. So Way of Kings is the first book of the Stormlight Archives and Rhythm of War is the fourth book. And currently, as as of this release date, uh, the, the last book, three weeks from now, we'll see Sanderson writes pretty fast. But <laughs> we... <laughs> Saying that, like, but, he, he doesn't mean last book in terms of... It's not intended to be the last book. There's intended to be a fifth book to finish it. But yeah, it's the... Yes. There's actually intended to be 10 books. So... That's true. There, Yeah. So there, I think it's going to... People speculate that it's going to be two arcs, so two series of five in the Stormlight Archives kind of series. Yeah. And so the reason I kind of put two here and cheated is Way of Kings is a great introduction. It's a fantastic book. It introduces mm-hmm. a lot of excellent characters yeah. that have it's so the first much book. growth. Yeah. It's the first book. It, it, it's great. Rhythm of War is new. It's the only book that I haven't read multiple times in this series, but it... Also, for the same reasons that Mistborn is not on my list and Hero of Ages is now, is that it fleshes out the Cosmere so much more. Yeah. And there, there's so much tie-in to Mistborn, to uh, Warbreaker, to a lot of these other yeah. series that Sanderson has already written and that I have read and I can understand and see those connections. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. And so that's why Rhythm of War is my number one spot. But I would say Way of Kings is also there. Yeah. Um, so I, it, so I yeah. just, we were talking about this before. I just like two days ago finished Rhythm of War. It was like a three month nice. endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a short book. It's hefty, but um rhythm of war is about the same length as the pen dragon series right um right <laughs> um we we've talked about how it feels often it feels like book two in a trilogy is a lull and book three and four i think in whatever the word is for a five book series <laughs> is, <laughs> is can feel like the lull um yeah and rhythm of war is like not that it it right. is an implosion right it like it yeah. crashes together and ev- like it's like how have we gone through thousands of pages of book to this point and yes. and there's still things that are you know multiple multiple like multiple twists multiple moments where i'm like what the hell i you know i never yeah. would expect like yeah, you yeah, texted yeah. me um and we were talking about it and you're like has <laughs> the thing happened or whatever and and you're like you would know it, what i was talking about if you've read it i'm like how how would you know that in this book that has happened five yeah. times so far yeah <laughs> yep yep <laughs> Just these absolutely, absolutely incredible moments, and so I think yes. I would agree of of the series. It's definitely one of the two, and it. And it I, I would have to wait until I'm a little farther out because I just read it, so I'm like a little biased. Yes. Like, oh, Rhythm of War is absolutely the best of them. Yeah. Um, yep. But it might, it very well might retain that spot. You know, a year from now. Yeah. Awesome. So those are the top five, real quick, uh, because I this is going to be a long episode. I I can feel it. So what? Uh, any honorable mentions that you want to throw out there? I think I was able to like kind of sneak them in. I think the only other one I had was um, Prisoner of Azkaban because it's my favorite, uh, my nice. favorite of the okay. Harry Potters. So I almost included that. Okay, yeah. The two that I had that I weren't haven't mentioned previously is Jurassic Park. I I mm. love that book. It was so good. It was yeah, so good. The choice. book is incredible. And then Aragon, um, kind of for the same reasons that yeah. I mentioned with Half Blood Prince and The Hobbit, where it's one of those where I go back and it's it's like a comfort book. Yeah, it's just nice. It's just it's a good read. It right? is, yeah. So, it's very fun. So those cool. are the honorable mentions. So, yeah, awesome. cool. You want to hop into board games? I do. Yeah. Do you want to start us off since I went first on books? Yeah, yeah. So let, let's uh, let's do this. So I thought, well, I guess I knew when I was starting to make this list that there was going to be a lot of change mm-hmm. since my list from two years ago, which I didn't necessarily think with my books. 
And turns out there's a lot of change in both. Something that I found interesting is when I'm looking at this list, when we recorded our episode two years ago, four out of these five games I had not played. Oh, very cool. So, and and I will go ahead and say that I put the caveat that I had to have played the game at least five times to make it on this list. Mm. And so it, they're, they're not like, it's not cult of the new type stuff. I just think that where we had read a lot of the staples of fantasy before we made our initial list, we have just, what you were saying before, we consume board games a lot quicker and we were able to consume some of the classics, a lot of the great games out there. Mm-hmm. And that is just kind of, you know, messed with my list a little bit. And so all of that to caveat to say that uh, my number five uh, is The Gallerist from Vital Lucerta. And so The Gallerist, you are running an art gallery and trying to promote different types of artists, sell their works of art so that you can make the most money out of anybody. And so what I really like about this game is that there's a lot of strategy in this game and the tactical decisions are pretty low, right? There, there are four spaces on the board that you can go to. Each of those spaces has two different actions, but you move your pawn to one of four spaces and you take one of those two actions. Mm-hmm. But the strategy in this game is so deep. There's so much going on. There's so much that you have to kind of like balance and contain and understand. And that's just why I love it. And you can knock out a game, a two-player game, in under an hour and a half. And so it's one of these where it's easier to consume. It's like it's quick, but it's, you know, a brain burner the art is amazing. They did art. They had artists that come in and did all of the works of art that you uh, you can buy, and they're credited in the rule book, which is super awesome. Yeah. And so Ian O'Toole did the the art, so you know you know it's going to be great. So that that that's number five. I'll run through my mech ratings. I just so that we can kind of define it a little bit more. Sure. So for a me- and this is number five, and so this is where we're going up from here. So for a mechanics, I had a nine. For an experience, I had a 9, and for components, I had a 10. That's awesome. For an overall of a 9.1. Have you been, like, kind of keeping those updated, I guess? Like, kind of revisiting mech ratings as you go? Yes, I do update mech ratings every time. Well, I I revisit the mech ratings every time I play a game. Cool, yeah. Yeah. So, that that has changed recently. And it's gotten up recently. Yeah, (laughs) like, the kind of the more you play it, you're able to add a little (laughs) more. more Yeah, the more I play it, my experience goes up. And so, and the mechanics go up. So I thought that I have my, I have the mech sheet on the, on my other screen. I saw you just sorted it. So, uh, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I was like, oh, I should get my mech ratings. And then I was, no, I, I'm not pulling from that. I, I I pulled them off, but yeah. So just like the more I play it, like the first couple of times I played, I was like, I'm just going to do this and see what happens. And it's gotten to the point where the strategy is starting to to form in my mind and I can kind of make some plans and figure out what I want to do. And so that that's why it's kind of gone up for me. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. We were talking, um, you and I, before the episode that I, when actually planning for this. So first of all, we did not have the, we, I I think we had the ideas for the mech system, but we didn't, we didn't actually have it put together when we, um, when we first recorded top five. Um, and so my idea for this episode is I was like, well, I'll just sort it and the spreadsheet and pick the top five person, like overall ratings that I have. And I guess that's my top five. And in reviewing it, I was like, I actually, I don't think that it is. Um, and that's a bit (laughs) of a revelation that like we created the mech system to try and, um, capture as much information about a game in a, in a single rating as we could. Um, and I still think it's doing that, 
but I can just like with the books, you know, I could mention name of the wind and say, I think this is critically the best book that I know of. And it's actually not in my top five currently. Um, I think games can be the same way. I think we can look at the mech ratings and say, critically, I think this is an amazing game, but it may or may not be in my actual top five to play. Gotcha. Um, Okay. And so all that to say, um, my number five was my number two, I think. Yeah. My number two last year or last year, last time we recorded this. So game of Thrones, the board game. Nice. Um, Very nice. A game we've talked about a lot. Um, I love dudes on a map games. I love, um, specifically dudes on a map games that have a lot of political aspects and this has that. And so I don't, I don't want to, this is a game we, of the games on the list, this is one that we do talk about a lot. I don't want to spend too much time on. I think it was also maybe in both of our top fives last time. So we spent double the amount of time on it. Um, so (laughs) if you haven't, heard our us rave about it i guess you can listen to the original the first episode that ever came out um, and you can hear us <laughs> yep. talk about it twice but it it lands at number five it's still holding on for me um i think i think it's mostly because i just haven't played it enough yet like there's yeah i still have not run it out i was trying to think um and when i'm making this top five i was trying to come up with like what games would I be most excited to play? Like I was trying to think of what game, what books would I be most excited to reread? I was trying to think of what games would I be most excited to play and game of Thrones still just, it, it doesn't bore me at all. Um, so mechanics, I have <laughs> yeah. 8.5 experience. I have 9.5 components. I have at a seven um, for an overall of 8.7. Um, interestingly, this is my number four overall. Um, okay. So it's, it gets the number four overall rating. Nice. It, it, but it did land at number five. So nice. So I, I did do my top five mech. So that that's that. So there's a little bit of a difference on how we're approaching this, which is completely fine. Yeah. But just so the listeners are aware and you're aware, I did go just my top five mech ratings. Nice, made your prep um, a little easier, so right? You just sort the list. And it, it, it made the prep a little bit easier, and <laughs> not like, that's why I, you did it. I'm not saying you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. So, and the the other thing that I wanted to note is like you were saying that we didn't have the mech rating when we did the episode. So the timeline here is that we recorded the episode. We came out with the mech, or we figured out the mech rating, then we published the episode. Yes, yeah. And so it's not in the audio of the episode, but if you go and look at the show notes, the mech ratings are in there because we wrote the show notes post coming out with the mech system. Yeah. So, yeah. fun fantasy and stuff flights history. There right, a little trivia, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Ga- Game of Thrones, I, I guess you can guess if that's the one that stayed on my list. I'll give you a hint at... Maybe not be, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's just kind of a realization of me playing more games and me liking the engine builders euros a little bit more than like the dudes on the map games. Yeah. And so yeah, I think there's your just five taste has games. shifted a little yeah. bit from, yes. the, yeah, from absolutely. the top five. Absolutely. And, and, and not saying that I don't like Game of Thrones because I absolutely love that game. I think it's amazing. It just doesn't it just didn't make it into my top five but excellent choice and i would say that since this has come out the the new fire and blood no that's not right that's i don't know the new expansion came out which i think makes it a lot better the targaryen expansion yeah which the targaryens are cool but really what makes it better is the the vassals and you can play with less than six people yeah and so the vassals with with that it's a it's amazing yeah they're not needed but they significantly improve your experience for sure 100 percent. yeah all right move us on up moving on up so this is another game that i had not played back in 2020 this is one of the top five board games of all time on board game geek this is brass birmingham Mm. and so brass birmingham is a martin wallace design and it is a heavy economic type game 
where you are building out industry in Birmingham in England. Yeah. So not this, Alabama. <laughs> not not Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> which I would love that sequel. Let's let's do that sequel. Uh, <laughs> that's great. So yeah, so it it's it's a very interactive economic game and the first couple times i played it it was fairly solitaire right Right. so basically what you're doing is you're putting industry tiles out onto the map and you're trying to flip those industry tiles to score you victory and increase the income that you get every round yeah where where this game makes it into the top five for me is when we started realizing that how you play this game is to utilize other people's resources Mm -hmm. so when i put coal out onto the map coal is needed to build other buildings the first couple times i played it it was like i i need to build this building that requires coal therefore i will build coal so that i can use my coal Mm -hmm. and where it really jumped into that top five is like i know that dalton needs to build this building which requires coal therefore i'm going to build coal so that dalton uses my coal which then flips my coal and I score the victory points as well. Right. And so it's it's reading the market, it's understanding what the supply, what the demand is, and putting out the right industry tiles at the right time to capitalize on the market at the time. And mm. it just does that so well. It, it's just an incredible game that, again, like works well at two, three, and four players. I played it all. And like with a two-player game, we finish it in right around an hour 15. Mm-hmm. And so just... It's it's one of those games that's easy to crank out, heavy brain burner, great game. Yeah, I think this game was a real turning point for you personally. I, I think that from the outside, like I yeah. think yeah. this was the first the first time that you wanted to redefine your top five board games was because of this game. Yes, um, yes, it was this one yeah. in I think Spirit Island. I think you got really into Spirit Island in this game at the same time. Um, yep. And I don't I don't know that it's necessarily like where you started to really identify that this was your style of game, um, but I think it was the first time that. I really understood that this was a style of game that you that you really prefer. Okay, that that's really cool. That's that's fun to hear. Because yeah. I, I agree. I think that this kind of was that like catalyst yeah. of hey, I like economic games. This is a lot of fun. Let's do this. Right. Type thing. It's why so, Gallerist is on the list now. Right? It's like it's why Gallerist is on the list and it, it deserves that top top five spot. That's Brass Birmingham by Martin Wallace. What's number four for you? Yeah. Number four for me is Imperial. And I think that this is really funny because I've nice. only played it one time and we played it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How do we play it wrong? We didn't play it wrong, but we, we uh, you can only like, uh, so that, so first of all, this has a rondelle mechanic and that is basically the like action selection in the game. You're like selecting yep. in like a circular fashion and you, I can pay resources to select something like really forward on the rondelle and kind of like do the circuit. Um, but there's like only so far that you can go. And we Got like it. didn't okay. know that and like screwed up the last round and some of the scoring. And um, there was some misunderstanding okay. of a couple of the rules because everybody was playing it for, for the first time, or maybe besides <laughs> one person. Um, so there yeah. was some misunderstanding of the rules that like impacted decisions people would have made. So basically by the end of the game, we kind of called it like, we're going to end it this way because we all were kind of playing it in under the same understanding, but like we probably played it a little bit wrong. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I think, like the most <laughs> frequent game on our game night list that has not been played. Like I have put it on like every game night list for like seven months in a row, just like hoping, you know, hoping Don't. that people will like it. And nobody but me likes it. It's so annoying. Don't all I'm gonna say is that you control that list 
And if you say it got picked, no one can question. That's true. That's, and what I might that's do, all I'm going to say. I know. And I really want like, I really want to just like put out like a survey that it's only Imperial. Like that, that's the only thing that you can select. <laughs> yeah. Um, your options are different times. Exactly. Um. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. When do you want to play? Imperial combines dudes on a map games with like stock holding, right? So you're buying bonds into companies. And so it's this awesome concept where you're like yeah like i want to have dudes on my map and i want to kill my other people's dudes but like do i because like sometimes yeah. you own stock in the people <laughs> in your fight like you might have stake in both of these you are not the country you are the investor right and and you can have stock and or you can have bond but quote unquote stock in multiple countries right taking place in in world war one um and that that can very heavily influence you know how you fight how you move units what you're what you're doing and I just think that's so fun. I think there's a place for both, right? I think there's a place for people yeah. that really like dudes on a map games. I think there's a place for people that don't like dudes on a map game, but really like economy games because you can get through this game and never move a dude on a map, right? Like you can, I, I think that would be extremely difficult to win. Like part of the advantage is taking a, taking control of companies or countries. I see I'm even saying companies, taking control of countries so that you can do with them what you want um, yeah. and make sure that you aren't attacking your own interests. You're attacking other people's interests and stuff like that. But it gives you that little bit of spice and kind of the best of both worlds. And these are two of my favorite genres. You know, like I'm really enjoying the 18xx games, like this, like stock holding style of game. It's it's a gen, it's a subgenre of economic, but it's not strictly the only definition right. of an economic game, right? And yeah. it just this like know. shared benefit type thing. Yeah, shared benefit, and it makes it, it makes for a dudes on a map game that is pseudo political, right? Because you like yeah. have shared yeah. buy in and shared interest, but it's just done in a slightly different way. Oh, I could go on and on. I just I love the game and yeah. I've only played it one time. And yeah. I think that's why it's on the list is because I was thinking of games that I really want to play again. It's like I have wanted to play Imperial again for, ever since I played it for the first time, like a, like a year and a half ago. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think that the only reason that I never really put that it's my top choice to play at game night is that I, I struggle with heavier games in a virtual setting. Mm. And I think that's just like a bias that I have that I don't necessarily want to do. I want to play because for when I'm playing a heavier game, like I will physically stand up, take a step away from the table and like, like it helps me kind of figure that out. And in a virtual setting, I struggle with that. Yeah. And it's just, it just feels like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just something that like, maybe I just get better at with more plays, but that's, I usually tend towards lighter games whenever we're doing like a monthly game night or something yeah, like that. that. makes sense. With that being said, I loved Imperial. Mm -hmm. So I don't dislike dudes on a map games, but it, they're not my favorite. Right. And this is the dudes on the map game that I would play every, I not every day, uh, all the time. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> it, it is <laughs> because it has that economic benefit. It has these. I want. I don't want to attack you because I hold. I hold bonds in your country, and those decisions are super fulfilling, super interesting, and just lead to some epic choices right yeah. and and oh man yeah just like you're saying like i could go on and on i love the 18xx games i think i prefer the 18xx but i've only played 18xx once i played imperial once and so i'd be interested to see how that shapes up after five plays or so yeah of each but just like you were saying it, it creates this economy mm -hmm. and like decision space for the table not necessarily for the player that is unparalleled for sure in any other game so for sure it's very great choice in that way. great choice so. mech rating i had eight in mechanics nine in experience um six in components it is kind of an older game 
um, for an yeah. overall of 8.1. And I, I totally forgot to do mech ratings for brass, but real quick, 9.5 for mech mechanics, 9 for experience, 8 for uh, components for a 9.1. Yeah. So, cool. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to number three. This is the only game that stayed on my list from last time. Oh, very cool. And it has dropped a spot. This is Gaia Project. So this is this is the only game that I played before the last uh, last time we made this list. Gaia Project is the are the successor to Terra, Terra Mystica, yeah. Where you take on the this like species or this class of aliens, where you're colonizing the galaxy, and it's a very heavy engine building, like not necessarily 4x but kind of like uh like kind of spreading across the galaxy researching technologies Mm -hmm. building buildings which unlocks income for you trying to score these round end goals it's a super modular game which just leads to increased replayability there are i think 14 different factions that you can play as Mm -hmm. which all are super unique and as, as we kind of go into my top three one of the things that's common amongst all of them is asymmetry. Mm. And that is just something that I have found that I really enjoy. I love finding something that I can do this and you can't, and I want to explore that. Mm -hmm. And I find that super fulfilling to kind of master that. And so Gaia project is just that in spades. Yeah. It's great. So, um, it's one of those where like I, (laughs) <laughs> to the detriment of my score, right? You're supposed to pick your 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 faction after the board is set up. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> but so I'm like, you can see I'm gonna the play in-game bonuses and yeah. stuff, and see if it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, if you can make a strategy yeah. out of it. Yeah, and and I'm like, I'm playing this, and then I'm like, I look at the board, it's like that was a bad choice. And so, <laughs> yeah. So Gaia Project is number three. Mech ratings, my mechanics are a 10. For, for Personally, like, I don't know how you get much better than this mechanics yeah. wise. It, yeah. It's incredible. Experience, I have an 8.5. And I think that, no, I don't, I don't think I'm, I, I rated it. So the, <laughs> the, 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 the reason that that's a little low is that this is a long game. Yeah. It, I mean, you you cannot sit down at the table and play Gaia Project and expect to be there for less than two hours. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy game. You're gonna be tired when you walk away, which like that's what I want sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. it it earns every bit of that. You know, it's not like it has bad downtime or anything. Like it it right? earns every yeah. bit of its mechanical complexity. Um, yes, absolutely. And and then the the components out of a nine for a nine point two. So. Sweet. That that is Gaia Project number three. Yeah, Gaia Project Thoughts. was in my honorable mentions. Yeah, I I nice. very seriously Yo. considered. I actually, was playing Terra Mystica on my phone today, um, j- only nice. be- basically okay. because I was going through this like generating this list, and I was thinking about Gaia Project. And I was like, man, I really want to play Gaia Project. I was like, well, I have Terra Mystica on my phone, so I'll you know, <laughs> I'll at least get a, a semi still counts. Yeah, a bit of a fix with that. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a great awesome. it's a great choice. Number three for me, I had the crew. Really? Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That makes sense. It makes sense, That's right? A good Just game. even hours That's played, really if game. nothing else. Like, um, we've said this a million times, but you know, man hours of entertainment per dollar. It is. It's the best <laughs> that I have found. Um, the way that you look at it as an engineer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you're an engineer without telling me you're an engineer. Yeah. Um, we've 
we raved and raved about this game. I, I still years later find myself pulling it out. It was um, when we did our um, board vengers. Um, one of the early ones, I think it was like, it was top game of 2020 or something like that was like yeah. the theme of the episode. And, um, mm-hmm. and I had the crew for that. I keep, it's, it's one of those games that I am most excited to introduce people to. And not every, even though not everyone's good at it, I've found recently that, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't always fit into people's mind. doesn't always click, but I find even if it doesn't, I, I still think people have a really good experience with it. Even just playing through the first yeah. 10 missions, right? If that's all, if that's yep. all you're able to do. You know, you can say that to people like, hey, let's try to get to mission 10. Um, and it can feel like a real accomplishment when, when you beat it. So um, a lot of modularity. Yeah. And, you know, when you and I sit down and we're like, hey, we kind of feel like playing the crew, then we can start at mission 25 or something. You know, we can we right. can kind of pick yeah. our own difficulty level. It's a, It meets kind of that requirement that we look for in cooperative games of can I can I modulate the difficulty for as I get better at the game? Yeah, you can do that. It, it meets that. The only thing that I wish it had is I, I wish it had a better two-player, right? I would love to be able to play it just yeah. me and my fiance. Um, it basically just sets up like a dummy crew member. It's not good. It's not good. It functions. And so if you were just dying to play <laughs> the crew right now, you can, <laughs> right? But it, it's not as rewarding. Do not means. recommend. Do no. not recommend. But, um, but the game itself, if you have 20 bucks to spend on a board game, and I, I can't recommend anything else higher than this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like... Because you just said that, like, man hours played. I looked it up. I've played over 40 hours of this game. Yeah. Right? And I have played it with you. I have played it with my in-laws. I've played it with my family. I've played it with my grandparents. I've played it with any walk of life mm-hmm. that you can think of, like, after about, I don't know, six years old. Like, right. you can function in the game. And, and it is such a simple rule set and such a rewarding experience that... It's one of those like why didn't I think of that type game? You're right, you know? exactly. And so, it excellent choice. It, it's one of those that you know if I sort by mechanic or my mech ratings, it's not going to hit that top five list. Yes, but yeah. it is one of those games that I will never get rid of, and it is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, it actually Great for choice. me is down like I think it's like around tw- like the twentieth or so, just strictly by mech rating, and that's yeah. so overall I have. Um, mechanics at a six um, and that's mostly because like the mechanics are it's just a trick-taking game like the mechanics themselves are yeah. not complicated and so like i just kind of had them as average and i still think that that's fair experience i had at a 9.5 um, and components i had at a seven um, and so because of that i think because of the like it's just this weird like spot in our game list where it's like this is kind of like an average mechanical game but the experience right, is just yeah. incredible you know yeah yeah Oh man, that's a good choice. That's a like a surprising to me choice. Like it makes sense when you explain it. I just wasn't expecting to yeah. hear that yeah. from you. And so so that that was fun. I'm glad we got to talk through that because yeah. the crew is one of those games that I just cannot recommend enough. Yeah. It's the only game on my list that takes like less than two hours to play. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yep. There you go. Cool. Alrighty, so ready to move on to number two for me? Yep, number two. Hit us. So if anyone has listened to this podcast, I don't think it comes as a surprise that my number two game of all time is Marvel Champions. And I will say this with a caveat that like the more that I play the other living card games from Fantasy Flight Games, this is kind of Marvel Champions, Lord of the Rings, and Arkham Horror all combined into one. Yeah. And I wanna I wanna say that they are very, very, very different games, but they're also like kind of thought of similarly. And so that way, and in that sense that I, I, I kind of lumped them together, mm-hmm. but mechanically they're very different. Yeah. 
Marvel Champions is what got me into it. And so that's always kind of going to be my number one love of this trilogy. Yeah. And yeah. So Living Card Game, we, we kind of had an episode talking all about Living Card Games. So they're put out, you know what you're buying. So instead of like a trading card game like a Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic the Gathering where it's a randomized pack of cards that you're getting. Whenever you buy a pack of Marvel Champions, you know exactly what the cards are that you're getting and you play as a hero and you try and take on a villain and you have to deal damage you have to make sure that they're not carrying out the master plan to fruition and kind of just trying to figure all of that out and it's a game that again heavy 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 asymmetry the first time i played it was last year in 2021 and i've played it over 250 times wow so I mean, like part of like, that solo at, gaming, at, right? That you're able to play uh, it. Most most of that is solo gaming, and th- this game shines. I think at two players, mm-hmm. and but it is very functional at a solo play. So it, it's just it's super easy to set up. The theme is awesome, right? You're a superhero, and you get to take on Ultron, right? right. Like, I mean, who doesn't want to beat the hell out of Ultron? Like that, right. that's just epic, and so just finding the combos it's a fun puzzle and i i kind of think of these living card games as like the the majority of the game to me is building my deck yeah and so it, it's a modular deck where you construct a deck of 40 cards of marvel champ 40 to 50 cards of marvel champions and then like that that's the game to me almost and then then i go play the game but i spend so much time just like in my subconscious or in my actual conscious when I'm watching something, just thinking of combinations and how things synergize with each other. Yeah. And just the amount of time that these games have like entertained me for is unparalleled. And so Marvel champions absolutely deserves that number two spot for me. I think one thing that I'm, I'm really enjoying about um, just kind of re- recording this topic with you recording this episode is it's almost like it's a little bit of like fantasy and some flight through the years, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And and Marvel Champions has been such such an incredible influence on both of our gaming. Yeah. In, over the last you know over the last year specifically, um, and it's really fun to be to like kind of go through this and be like, oh yeah, Ender's Game. Oh, we have an episode about that, right? Um, <laughs> oh right. yeah, Marvel's Champions slash the 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 big three in LCG. Like we have an yeah. LCG episode. You know, we would recommend go listening to us and Jason talk about that. Um, right. It's really, it's just kind of fun to hear like these themes of like, oh yeah, we've been talking about the crew. We've been talking about Gaia project, you know, all these, um, we've been talking about brass Birmingham. Right. So, um, I knew yeah. I was going to, th- I was going to see a living card <laughs> game. I had yep. good money on that. It would be Marvel champions. Um, I think yep. two is high though. Two is, um, yeah. I would have said two, three or four, but I, I thought it was going to be in the middle and, and two is on the high end. So, okay. Yeah. So, yep. That that's number two. I mean, like literally if you look over to my left, I have the entire game set up. Um, <laughs> I like I, I live I live stream these games like three to four times a week now. Right. So right. if you're interested in that, go find it. But I I love these games. It's a fun puzzle for me to solve. Yeah. And that that's what I like about Absolutely, it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, talk about evolution of, of us in the podcast, right? You, yeah, you've you've moved on. Your uh, your Discord emblem <laughs> is no longer the Fantasy and Some Flights <laughs> emblem. It's the the Living Card Gamer emblem. So all all I would say my my defense in that is that you cannot have different emblems for different servers, which I think is dumb. It's kind of dumb. But it is that because we have like a living card game Discord server, yeah. and I've 
I that that's where we're most I'm most active mm-hmm. in, in that server. And so so that that is that. But so running through mech ratings, I have mechanics at a nine. I actually think that I may want to revisit that and actually lower it mm. a little bit. Like now that you've played um, the other living card games and yes. seen some other mechanic yeah. systems. Yeah. And Oh, I need to be careful on how I say this. I <laughs> the I think that Lord of the Rings is the best, most rewarding experience. Marvel Champions is the easiest to get to the table, and Arkham is the most rewarding storytelling experience. And nine to me, I think Lord of the Rings and Marvel Champions can kind of bounce back and forth for the best mechanics rating. Mm-hmm. And all like the reason that I think Marvel Champions beats it out is that Lord of the Rings is the first one and they learn so much right. from devi- developing and designing Lord of the Rings that there are just a couple of like balancing mistakes that they made in Lord of the Rings that they didn't necessarily make in Champions. Yeah. And so Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It should have better mechanics, right? Just on paper. Yeah. It, it Yeah. It should be a better yeah. game. Right. Uh experience I have at a ten, like I play this all the time. Yeah. And then components that I have a seven, it's a deck of cards. Yeah. They have pretty pictures. Yep. Overall 9.3. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Very that's cool. Marvel Champions. I love I love this game. Yeah. Sweet. So my number two, A number two, A number one. A number one. A number I just watched that episode. I'm rewatching Scrubs. Yeah. I Oh my goodness, dude. Scrubs is so good. Scrubs is so good. Especially yeah, the the first season is stellar, I think. The first season hits you like an emotional truck. Yeah. I like, oh, go watch Scrubs. What right. are you doing listening right. to? Right, right, go watch Scrubs. Anyways, as we have, like I said earlier, as we've gotten more comfortable as podcasters, I have gotten more comfortable and let myself break the rules. So um, nice. I, I wanted to make this list based on games that I want, I like consistently want to play the most. And when we originally did our top five board games, we limited ourselves to not choosing Gloomhaven. And I, oh, you're, I decided to break okay. that. Yeah. Um, Whoa. I'm choosing Gloomhaven. I okay. have been dying to play Gloomhaven for like the longest time um, because I basically kind of like lost my partners in crime. Um, they moved to Georgia, which I did not approve of, but they did it without asking. <laughs> um, and, so, <laughs> and so I do approve of the move to Georgia, but they did it without asking and I don't approve of that. Um, I should have been <laughs> consulted. And anyways, I lost my Gloomhaven partners um, years ago. And and now I, I believe that was in 2019. And I've only been able to play it sporadically since. And, um, you know, we've played a little Jaws of Lion content. And still one of my favorite episodes that we've ever prepped for was episode five, the Gloomhaven episode. I just, I loved prepping for that. It was such a fun episode to prepare for and such a fun episode to record. And I, it's silly to be like, yeah, my second favorite game is the number one <laughs> game of all time. Yeah, look at me. I'm an excellent critic. Yeah. There are definitely like things that you could critique about Gloomhaven, right? But it survived the being the new hype, right? It has been dominant on Board Game Geek. It has been number one for forever, right? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. It's an amazing game. It's an amazing experience. Um, and I, I'm just really missing it recently. Um, and I also like... Side note to that, I have also not been able to play like other RPGs. Um, so I've, I've not been in Pathfinder. I've not been in D&D. I've not been in Starfinder. You know, 
any of the other plethora of um, of RPG models that you could choose from, I've I've also been starved of. So there's some of that craving coming in too. Where I just I'm kind of just wanting that experience, right? That cooperative experience, yeah. that problem solving experience, that role playing experience. I'm just missing on the whole. And so Gloomhaven's kind of like trying to encompass that too on the on yeah. the list of like yeah, how much yeah, yeah. I love doing that and how much I haven't been able to do it recently, um, which is my own fault and COVID's fault, but partially mine, partially <laughs> COVID. Um, it was COVID yeah. a couple years ago. Now it's my fault because I moved across the country. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been missing Gloomhaven recently, and so that's that's why it's at number two. As I get more into understanding the development process of games and playing more games and seeing the mechanics, Gloomhaven is such a feat. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, the story is incredible. The mechanics are incredible. The components are incredible, and to have kind of that formulate into one game is so rare and so well done in gloomhaven yeah and i absolutely 100 percent agree that this should be you know on 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 one of our top five lists i i left it off yeah but but it was it, fair i think the it, first time to leave it off because it was fairly <laughs> new uh, it wasn't new new yeah. when we recorded it but it was like it was still new to hype. us it was new to, it was new yeah. to us and it was still definitely in a hype phase and so we kind of wanted to just make sure we weren't on that wagon yeah and so it made sense, but now um, I'm years past it, and I'm like, ah, God, I, I love that. <laughs> it's game. so good. It's it's incredible, and like one of the things that I really like about Gloomhaven is that you play with this core group of people, mm-hmm. and you can and you can go through the story, but you're not limited to that, right? Like I have brought characters, or like I've shown up, and like me and you, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Like we we did a podcast together about board games and we didn't play Gloomhaven together, but we have played Gloomhaven together. Like right. we show up and we can play scenarios together. Yeah. And that that is just another like dimension in the modularity of what Gloomhaven can and is. Yeah. And oh man, it's such a good game and I'm so excited for Frosthaven. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Um, I also have my I don't know if you saw this and I know all the listeners can't see it, but they announced like the minis for Gloomhaven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this on a, on a recent episode. And so like, here's my, here's my mini because everyone in the room got a mini, uh, a prototype mini. So here's my, here's my little mini. I'll post a picture of it. Yeah. So here's my little mini for Gloomhaven. (laughs) He's so fierce. Look (laughs) at him. (laughs) A quick mech rating. Again, this is a little silly to do because it's, such a highly rated game. Um, but I have mechanics at a nine experience at a 10. There's basically no game that I would rather play. Um, and components at a nine, um, for an overall nice. 9.5. So this is actually my top, um, mech rated game. So, okay. Excellent choice. Thank you, buddy. I think both of our number ones will be a little <laughs> unsurprising. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I, I think so. My number one from two years ago is not even on my top five list. So, mm. like in that sense, it may be a little surprising. But that's my true. number one, I think it's all... unsurprising based on how much you talk about what I assume you're that's going fair. to say this yeah. game is. Yeah. So, what's your guess? I've cheated because I I know the mech ratings, and so I, <laughs> I know for a fact it's Spirit Island. <laughs> it's Furnace. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, it is Spirit Island. So <laughs> Spirit, like Spirit Island, is everything I want in a game. Yeah. I it it's a heavy cooperative game. I I tend towards liking cooperative games a little bit more. And I love asymmetry, which this has asymmetry like to the max. Yeah, I love the cooperatives. I love the super heavy. I love the modular difficulty. I everything about this game checks every single box that I could want. Right. And we, with that said, like I I don't know if there's a game or no 
I, I will say it like this because I'm going to be positive. I am really excited for the game that takes this off my number one spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So, because yeah. you're right, it, it has it, to be a masterpiece to kick out. It has to be a masterpiece. Spirit Island is a masterpiece. And, like, we, we have gotten to the point where there's tens of thousands of games on Board Game Geek, right? Mm-hmm. And the masterpieces rise to the top. And to find those that are going to topple our favorite games of all time it, they're going to be special and so yeah. when if that happens i'm i'm very excited for that game yeah. but right now i don't see that game i don't see it yeah. I, I don't see it so but see the cool thing uh, though is like look through our top five lists here like how many of these games came out in the last four years like yeah. is it therefore um, reasonable that like in the next four years there could be something to topple it you know yeah i think let me check i think uh I think two of mine came out in the last four years. Mm-hmm. So Marvel Champions came out in 2019. And no, Marvel Champions came out in 2019. That's the only one that came out in the last four years. Oh, very cool. Brass uh, Brass Birmingham came out in 2018, but that's just a reskin of Brass, which came out in 1776 or something. So Okay, like, yeah, that, that be fair. <laughs> I, I was thinking of it as a like 20... 20- I, I thought it was in the last four years or so. Yeah. Um, Cause I was looking and, through it. And I was like, I know game of Thrones is a little old. Imperial's a little yeah. old. Um, the crew is new. Gloomhaven is new. So I was thinking it was going to be around like two out of the five. Yeah. Um, for which each is, of us. which is super cool. It is. Yeah. Right? Like, um, cause you're right. Like they are, it is similar to books in that, like a lot of games come out and they have to rise to the top. We can just consume game. We can consume games faster. Like we've said the books, but yeah. it's still like, we are not through the renaissance, right? Like there is, there's no. still a ton of innovation going on. There's new ideas. There's, you know, things that people are coming out with that are, that are novel, that are absolutely incredible. They're shaking things up. Um, so it's absolutely possible that we will, that we will see something that will topple Spirit Island for you. Yeah. But it's hard. I think Spirit Island really will hold on though. Cause it's like, it's speaking of, so you, you said your top five, your number one game um, from last time is not on here. That was Terraforming Mars. Um, right. Terraforming Mars was one of two games that was in both of our top fives. The other one was Game of Thrones. Um, and yeah. Game of Thrones was almost dropped out of mine and it did drop out of yours. And Terraforming Mars managed to drop out of both of ours. And I think it's replayability. You know, I think it's that, we played it a bunch and we loved it. And then it just kind of got stale. And at this point it's like, am I excited to play terraforming Mars again? Like probably not. I would love to, if somebody's like, Hey, will you teach this to me? I'm like, hell yeah. Like let's play some terraforming Mars, you know, but I'm not like seeking it out anymore. And spirit Island yeah. is not necessarily that way. Like there was a, there was a, a night, what a month, maybe two months ago where we were like, we were going to record and we were, we both just had a rough day at work or something. We were like, yeah, you know what? We can't really put it together tonight. We want to play a game and we ended up playing spirit Island, you know? Right. Yeah. Like if I could write a ticket for a game, it would be Spirit Island. And so like I, I'm I'm interested and excited to see what topples it. Yep. But for mech ratings for mechanics I have a nine point five, for experience I have it a ten, and for components I'd have a nine for an overall of a nine point seven. And so it I mean it's an excellent Hardly get game. better than that. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. And so just because it was kind of fun to to look at the crew, I also just quickly looked up how much time i've spent on these other just the top two games so spirit island i played for about i i spent about 67 hours playing spirit island that's and awesome. for marvel champions it's about 123 hours yeah so that's awesome it's uh it they're, they're just fun games i love them yeah they're great spirit they're great. island was my highest rated game that did not appear so spirit island is my okay. is my i think second yeah it's my second mech rated game cool um, that's 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 fun information yeah man. it's just nines across the board for me 
for an overall yeah. of a nine. But oh. and I don't know why why I didn't. I think I was. I think it was if I was going to put it was it was an honorable mention. Obviously, um, if I was going to put it in, it probably would have gone in place of the crew. I think I just I wanted that third spot to be a cooperative game, and I and I chose the crew. Um, yeah. So number one for you, did it change? Uh, it changed from third edition to fourth edition. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I think at this point I do like fourth edition Twilight Imperium better. I've played it enough. Nice. Okay. Um, that it's it third edition was holding on due to novelty, and at this point fourth edition, based on the fact that it's a better game, has you know built into <laughs> enough novelty that I'm like yeah. I like this yeah, better. Yeah. But overall, no, it's it's unsurprising. It was one of the games that I've probably second most excited to prepare for besides the Gloomhaven episode. Yeah, I would. I would play it over and over and over again. Um, we are looking to just to see the interest in this. We are looking to um, schedule like a like a new players game of Twilight Imperium soon, like a noobs game, um, with the idea being that. Uh, myself and maybe one or two other experienced players would sort of function as coaches um, and we would invite new players that could be like brand new or it could just be like someone you know any experienced players players who only played once or twice to the board um, so that you have like kind of myself and a couple others as like a floating coach that you can rely on and ask questions to we would do this virtually and sort of like try to reduce the the punishment of entering this game right the the barrier to entry it's, and yeah um, the initiation energy that it takes just to play Twilight Imperium. Um, and also maybe kind of remove some of the, the fear. I know we've talked about this on the podcast. I know that I, I struggle to enjoy games that I don't win. Um, and I struggle to enjoy yeah. games specifically if I feel like I'm not going to win, like if there's just not a chance to win. Yeah. And I don't want anyone coming into Twilight Imperium to feel that way. If they're going to be new and playing with someone like me, who's very experienced in it, they would be, that would be a very difficult way to win. Um, so if we do yeah. end up with any players who are slightly experienced, we're hoping to kind of, we're looking to handicap that in a way so that they're starting behind in resources or other people start up in victory points or, or something like that, but just kind of trying to balance the game and make sure that people um, who are interested in it, but have always been scared to try it because it's so big um, that, 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 you know, that they have a fun way to experience the game. And I think it says a lot about the game that I am willing to spend as long <laughs> as it takes. I'm willing to spend hours sitting and watching other people playing this game and talking them through it just because it excites me and I get that much enjoyment out of it. So yeah, I I don't think I had played Ti when we recorded our first episode. I think we were so going to soon. We were about to. Yeah, and so we had, we were kind of talking about it mm -hmm. when we were recording it, and so I I see the appeal. I understand it. I I love the game. It's it's a phenomenal game. Yeah, it, it's I mean kind of what we've just been talking about for me like i love asymmetry and ti has that yeah, like in spades yeah. a lot of that and so I, I i really like that i've only ever played it twice mm -hmm. and so i that's just kind of a function of it's a hard game to get to the table and so i'm really excited to sit in on this learner's game and and try it again because i i've there are i don't know 15 factions to play i i lose track now <laughs> okay cool so w it, it there are 15 exact factions to play <laughs> you uh, heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't check uh there are, there are a lot of factions to play yeah and i would say that over 50 percent of them i am like that fits my play style i would be interested in that yeah and so it, it's kind of like this balance of a game because it's so long i've like played a game with the necrovirus right right and yeah, it's like i want to play another game with the necrovirus because i i kind of like understand them a little bit more yeah. but it's also like i also want to try you know 
the trade people. Right. And if I don't the, take the time to go try other people, like I, I may yeah. never get to it. <laughs> right. And so, so there's that balance, which, which is a good, which is a good decision. It's, yeah. it's not a critique in the game in any way. And I'm hoping Excellent in that game. to get I, to the point where like, we've talked about this, like there are some games that the first time you play it, you're just, you're just learning to play. Like you're just trying to function yeah. in the game. And the second time you feel <laughs> like you're really playing it. And Twilight right. Imperium is definitely that way. It may even take until the third time until you're really playing it. But unfortunately, because it's so hard to schedule, sometimes for some players, it feels like you never get there. It feels like every time's the first time, you know, yes. and you're just trying to like, yeah. just do basic stuff, just function and just accomplish things. <laughs> and I'm really hoping that by having these floating coaches, we can bypass that. And we can be like, you know, yeah. what do you, what do you want to do? What are you trying to do? Right. And people can be like, well, I really feel like I need, I need to have a strong position here. I need to get to this point or this technology or have alliance. And we can be like, okay, that's a great idea. Here's how you do that. And just like talk yeah. you through like, then do this and then this and then this and then this. Um, and, and that way, you, like the details kind of get washed out. And you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. I can now do the part of the game that's fun and not worry about micromanaging. Right. I, I would hope that I can, yes. we can yeah. kind of help us like assuage that part of the game let us micromanage for you a little bit or tell you how to micromanage right. it um so that you can do the fun part of the game which is the strategy and the politicking and you know all that stuff yes so. yeah yeah because it is a heavy game yeah it's a very it, it's a rules intensive game mm -hmm. like the last time i played i forgot that i could use my like trade goods to increase my i don't even remember what i forgot <laughs> like, that, <laughs> like i think like that, that you can use them as influence like you thought they could only yes, be resources and yeah. they can also be influence yeah. or something Yep. And so, so like just having the coaches to be able to walk through that, I think will be hugely beneficial. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because it is a game that I want to play more of Yeah, that it's just so hard to, Yeah, it's like, it, it was on my like, you know, price watch list. It's like, I'm going to buy this game. And then like, I took it off. I was like, I'm not going to buy this game. I'm never going to play this. Game. <laughs> like, I, like if I'm playing this game, I'm going to play it with someone who already has the game. Yeah. And so dude, it is so much fun. Yeah. It, it is a full day of fun like i remember the last time that we played it like we finished the game we went over to one of our friend's house and like we just like talked about it and yeah. it was just like like one of the things that i think i think you had said it is that one of the things that you love about twilight imperium is not necessarily just playing the game it's about the experiences and about all the conversations that you get to have after the game yeah where you get to look back and like hey remember when i did that yeah and like that just makes that that takes the game from good to great in my opinion is when you can point to something that you did and talk about it later yeah yeah that experience um it just really sticks with you anyways i have um for mechanics i have i think actually now that i'm looking at this i i do not always go back and update my mech ratings um and so i think i probably had this done for third edition so i probably should revisit it um but just for what it is right now i have mechanics at a 9.5 i have experienced at an 8.5 um that was influenced most strongly by downtime because there is a decent bit of downtime in the mm -hmm. game yeah um, and then components at a nine for an overall of 8.9 nice so very cool and that's it man that that wraps that's it that's a that are that's 10 ish great recommendations for anyone who likes what we like so yeah did we have any duplicates this time on games i don't think so yeah no. not on games so uh, we didn't have any on we didn't have any books, on books either. either so. Technically, we did not have any on books. Yeah, because of Ender's Game versus Ender Shadow, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we did not have any. So that's that's really exciting. You did you actually uh, yeah you got what we promised. We promised you. 20 there we go. You we and you got twenty unique. There you go, twenty unique. So that should tide you over for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got some reading and some playing to do, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, this was a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed revisiting this and kind yeah. of like 
one preparing for it yeah. trying to figure out what the top five are again and then talking through it again yeah it was fun it's like nostalgic almost. it is like, yeah and like like we said just a really fun kind of like a really special experience for us we really appreciate you guys kind of being with us for these last two years and um kind of giving us the you know the room and the support to to look back over these two years and, and kind of celebrate how much fun it's been and how much growth there has happened and everything and really just kind of um, get to en- get to enjoy that. You know, I know that this um, this landed as a long episode, and everything that we're talking about on here <laughs> is stuff that you've already heard us talk about if you've listened to other episodes up to this point. Yeah. But it's it's just been a really fun and rewarding year, two years for both of us. So we we were Absolutely. excited to record this as a special. Yeah. So if uh, if if you like what you heard, you can go find us on social media. I think the best place to do that would be Instagram. We post a lot of stuff about games that we've been playing. Uh, or the Discord, we discuss kind of books we've been reading, mm-hmm. games we've been playing, do a lot of memes about Star Wars. Yep. It's, it's a good time. It is. Uh, <laughs> we schedule these games. That's where, you know, Twilight Imperium will be scheduled yeah, coming up. Absolutely. Um, yep. Also, Imperial, which will happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. It will happen. It will. If you want to see a tweet every three months or so, you can go follow us on Twitter. But really, Instagram, Discord is, is your best bet. Those links are going to be in the podcast description. So. We really like talking to you. I think that's my favorite part. I mean, other than like talking to you, like talking to the <laughs> hey. talking to the listeners. It's been a lot of fun building relationships and like talking to listeners and hearing what they think. Like, Absolutely. let us know what your top five games are. Let us know what your top five books are. Like, are are there books that you know or games that we need to play and you think that would fit into our list? And let let's talk about that. Yeah, if you I, can I top Spirit Island for Nelson, let us. Let's know. do it. Let's let's do it. Let's see. That would be an accomplishment considering how much of like the top 200 games you've played. But yeah, it, yeah, it could be done. So we'll sort <laughs> it could be stuff, done, but it can be done. It, it could be done. And I'm sure it will be done at some point in my life. Yes. So yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. Awesome. Excellent. Well, it was good hanging out with you. It was good doing this episode with you. It's great. And see you next time, man. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.